back to the start where you found me I'm coming back to your heart now I surrender take me this is all I can bring good morning Hill City how are we doing today there's a handful of us out there but we're still gonna praise God Coming back to the start, our God is freedom, and here we feel your heart, your heart beats for us, take me, this is all I can bring, and never stop loving us, no matter how far we run, you'll never give up on us. All of heaven is shout, let the future begin. Let the future begin. Come on, sing, take me. Take me. Take me. This is all I can bring. Come on, sing it out. You'll never stop loving me. On us, all of heaven is shout. Let the future begin. You'll never stop loving us, no matter how far we run. You'll never give up on us, all of heaven is shout. Let the future begin. Let the future begin. Sing it with me. Here we go. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive. I'm God's greatest love. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive. I'm God's greatest love. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive. I'm God's greatest love. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive. I'm God's Sing it. I feel alive, I come alive, 
struggle with was just really bothering me so I, I called a man who's a brother to me in, in, in Christ and because I know he can encourage me but also challenge me and through that it, it was really awesome because I'd kind of been listening to a sermon that morning and just the study and sometimes you get stuff in your head but it never really hits your heart and in that moment when God reveals it to you it's called the revelation and, and that's the truth when it hits you and a lot of times we go through struggles we, we don't beat them initially and it takes years sometimes for people to overcome their struggles but the reason why is because God gets the glory the beauty of the gospel is that it says God is faithful he doesn't leave us he never he never forsakes us and some things you'll struggle with for years but God's going to show you he said you know what if each time you'll just reach out to me when that struggle that temptation is coming your way just reach out to me and I will prove to be faithful that you can overcome this and know we're not perfect. Sometimes you might fall, but God's going to say, you know what? I still love you. He's not a God who's, who's full of just wrath, but he's a God of love. That's, right. That's why he died on the cross so that in those moments when we do fail, he can still look at you and he says, I love you. I mean, I, I think that's the big thing we just need to understand is God says, you know what? I'm faithful. Just take my hand through the struggles and we're going to walk through. No, it's not going to be perfect, but it's, it's beautiful. Um, there's this verse in Revelation. It's uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 12, I believe. And um, it's beautiful because it's saying, oh, sorry, it's verse 11. It's, it talks about how the elders, they cast their crowns before God and through this conversation with my friend, I really came to understand the beauty of this, that when we overcome, God's going to give us crowns that we have in heaven. 
But when we understand how faithful God is, we will stand before him, we'll cast the, crown, the crowns at his feet, and he'll say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I guess that's the beauty. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, that you came down and you died to bridge a gap and to, uh, as your word says, you came and you knew our struggle. You were tempted in all ways as we were, but you didn't fall into sin. And through that, you show us that you are faithful to bring us through. And if there's someone in here who is discouraged with their struggles and feels like they're not worthy of your love, God, encourage them and let them know, you know what, we're all struggling. We're all struggling. And that's the beauty of the gospel, that we can hold on to you because it's not through us, but through you, God, that we, we overcome. We just thank you so much for your presence. Remind us that it's all for your glory, God. It's all for your glory. Thank you so much. That's in Jesus' name.
Come on, now's your opportunity to give it to him. Jesus. facing something today now now is the time now is the atmosphere now is when things break through now is when stuff happens like we always say there's nothing we can say there's nothing we can do this encounter right now with the spirit of god right here right now in your life this is what you need to break through this connection this moment with your god with your maker that's what's going to make the difference in your life today if you came here to church you don't know why but you came here knowing that you needed to be here right now knowing that you needed to be here in this place knowing that you need to change in your life this is the moment this is the step that you take forward in your life to grow closer to god i challenge you right now in this moment say something say anything to him take the step forward of trusting him today he's waiting here for you meet with him here it just takes one step one moment to change your life forever forever past this life past these temporary things these temporary problems these trials you face every day there's more life beyond that and he can offer that to you today all you have to say is yes. Yes, God, I want you. Yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I can't do this anymore. I give it all to you, God. I can't handle it on my own anymore. There's nothing that I can do to change my situation. But God, you can. I give it all to you today. I give it all to you today, Lord Jesus. Just as a sign of surrender, can you put your hand up? If that's you today in this place, just as a step of faith, just put your hands in the air today. Just give it all to him.
voice. Shout. So shout it. Go on and scream it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses that He is God. And we No one like you. There is no one like you, God. We will sing out one last time. Come on, just the voices out. Father, we sing out, Lord God. God, let it, let it not just be a song with our mouth, Lord God, or our thought, Lord. Let it be a song of our soul, Lord, that we are singing out, Lord God. Lord, hallelujah, the praise that's within us, Lord God. Praise, Lord God. This uh, hallelujah means just something extravagant, an extravagant gift to God. And I pray we need to get out of ourselves, Lord God, a little bit, Lord God, and, and put on the passion and praise within ourselves because you deserve it, God. I pray today, Lord, today is a, is a service of praise. It's not just a service of song or of listening. I pray, God, we are anticipating praise, Lord God, in our listening, praise in our giving, praise, Lord God, with our lives today. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we would connect with your spirit and you would change our lives today. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. The ushers are going to come forward as they put, uh, are going to bring the communion, as they bring communion forward. And uh, just prepare for it. And I have Trent, a friend of mine, coming up, and he's going to speak to you on communion. On communion. Give him a hand. Hey, good morning, guys. You guys really challenge me with communion lately. Um, too many times here at church, uh, we have these different things that we do, and so often it's just a ritual. It's it's a it's a religious act, and God is tired of seeing the church here in America done as a religious act. He's ready for a a deeper relationship with us, a more intimate time. And so if you look at communion, um, it really first started when Jesus had Passover with his disciples. And this started back in Exodus 12, in Exodus 12, where the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in captivity. And it was when God brought the angel of death and all the firstborns of the Egyptians died, but those that painted the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, they were saved. So Jesus uses this Passover meal that the Israelites did year after year in remembrance of what God did for them. He uses this as a symbol 
of what he was going to do. So this, when he says, take the bread, take the cup, you're going to be eating my body and drinking my blood, it's kind of a very gruesome allegory of what he's showing, a very symbolic thing of what he was going to do. And when we take communion, too often it's just something that we do again in church. And we need to remember that this is something that, I mean, is crucial to our salvation. So Jesus has his disciples break the bread together. This is something that's to be done in family. And when when in Acts and many people are coming to know Christ, they break the bread together, the community that's there. So this is about family and community. It's not just about a building. It's not just about coming to church. It's about doing it as family and community being united. And so when Paul calls out the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells them to not be divided when they take it, that they need to be united as a family. One of the most beautiful passages I see that challenges me is in Isaiah 53. Um, it talks about how Jesus is not a man of majesty. He's not a man of beauty. He's an ordinary man. He came as the son of God. He was born in a manger. And when he lived out his life, it was not that to be recognized. It was to give glory to God. So when we take this communion we're seeing that God lived out his life for the glorification of God for us. So communion needs to be a remembrance of what he did, but ultimately what he was doing um, through God's glory, but God, what God's love. This is all about grace, and this is something that needs to remind us of the grace of God not about what we're doing here on earth, but what about what God is doing in us and through us. So when, when we take communion, this is a time when you're remembering what Christ did for you. So if there's sin in your life, this is a time to proclaim victory because God is wanting to restore you and renew you and bring you to that place of oneness just as he had with his son. So the biggest thing I want you to see about communion today is if this is just something that you're doing because you're here in church, I really don't think you should be taking communion because communion is, I mean, to, supposed to be what God is saying in our hearts as worship. I mean, in Malachi, he talks to the people there and he says he wished they wouldn't even sacrifice because what they were doing, it was they were giving their leftovers. So if communion is one of your leftovers, God wants everything. So don't treat communion as some act or something I have to do in church. It's something that should be ultimately done in your heart, but it's a symbol to, for the people around you to see that you're going all in. You're remembering what God did for you, and now you're wanting to go out and do the same for others. Ultimately, this is not about you. It's about God and the people out there because we're disciple makers. 
And so if we're not dependent on grace, how do we expect anybody else that's lost to be dependent on grace? It's ultimately what, about what we're doing, not about what God did for us. So as the church and as the family, I want this to be between you and God so that when you're speaking to the people around you and you're a light to the people around you, they're seeing what God did in you. So I just want to take a moment, just be silent for a minute, just thank God for what he did, remember what he did. So as we take the cup, as Jesus' blood was poured out and he went to the cross, he poured it out for all the sin that he knew we would commit. Nothing was a surprise to him. So when we make mistakes, that's already been covered. It's already been covered by the blood of Christ because he poured it out for us so we don't have to worry about that sin. We just need to take it to the cross and cast it down at the feet of Christ. So go ahead and drink from the cup and remember. So as you take the bread, Christ's body was beaten and broken for us. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. And when he went to the cross, there was two people beside him. One realized what Christ had done. And he said, if you truly are the king, forgive me. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So as you take the bread, you realize that the price has been paid. God, today, Lord, as we are living our lives and we go to church week after week, Lord, don't let this be some ritual or religion. God, let it be a relationship with you and with the people around us so when people see us in our workplace, in our hobbies, in our school, God, they would see what you're doing in our life. And Lord, so when we take communion, Lord, let us remember each time. Don't let it become just a cycle of doing it again and again. God, each time we would remember what you've done. So, Lord, we just want to praise you today and know that our lives are lived for the glory for you. Lord, just use us this week. Lord, as you arrange those opportunities in the lives of the people around us, God, we want to be used by you. So we praise you again, and we thank you for what you've done. Amen. Man, give Trent a hand. Thank you. Thank you for challenging us. Um, man, us are in church. You know, if you're not in church and you came and, um, you know, there's a lot of background behind the, the reason why we do things. Um, but it's so easy, isn't it, to come into a Sunday morning every week and be like, ah, just raise my hand again and here I am again for us being in church. 
Um, John told me the other day, he's like, I, I think I, I have tw I've preached 2,500 services. I was like, that's really cool, or that's, I don't know what that is. But he's done so many. Can you imagine preaching 2,500 services? Thank you, Pastor John, wherever you are. Um, I want 10,000 more. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, no, I, I'm actually, I, would, I do want more. Um, man, how's everyone doing? Are we good? Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Hill City Church. Uh, if this is your first time, we'd love to get to know you. Um, we'd love to answer any questions. We have a beautiful cafe back there with, with uh, beautiful pastries and coffee. Um, my name's Paul, part of the leadership team here. And I just wanted to welcome you guys. Welcome to church on a Bronco Sunday. Um, so, um, you know, this is, uh, this is where it's at. And uh, as you can tell, we love to serve God. We love to worship God. We love to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Um, and so we're all about that here. And Trent hit on that a little bit. Real quick question. Um, who loves peaches? You're like, you caught me out of left field. All right. My mother-in-law, I'm like, here, we got some fresh Palisade peaches. And she's like, I don't like peaches. What? How can you not like peaches? Anyway, um, but they, you know, they come around. You have like, what, three, three, four weeks to eat peaches, roughly, you know? Are people bored around the peach conversation here? <laughs> You're like, why are we talking about peaches? Um, I was just thinking about what you just said and, and even meditate on this morning. When Jesus, uh, in 937, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Uh, it's in Matthew 937. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I have a peach tree at home, and it's, it's pretty pathetic, actually. Like, we probably got about 30 peaches out of it. Um, but, you know, I only had, I, if, I, I, if I went too early, they're, they're not good, right? But when they're ripe and when the harvest is ready, what do you have to do? You got to get it off the vine, right? You got to get out of the ground, whatever it is. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? It's going to spoil. So I got as tall as ladders as I could, and I probably got about half of them, but half the peaches I just kind of gave up, and I sort of like threw my football at them, and that didn't work out so well. Um, but ultimately, they, they got ripe enough, and they were overly ripe, and then they just fall, and by the time they fall from the tree, they're just, they're mush, right? And then they got bugs inside of them. It's kind of nasty. I'm like, we're not going to eat these. So my only point is, when we're talking about this church, we're talking about the city of Thornton. Listen to me. And then, John, you can come up, and we, I want to I hear from Pastor John. But, man, we, have, we are community leaders. Say community leaders. We're not just people that come into a church on a Sunday morning and come to a church, but every single person here is empowered to impact our community. If you have a small vision and a small, a small perspective, and you think our mission is, our mission is for people to come from Thornton into our church on a Sunday morning and give money so we can run programs. I know that's sometimes what we think about as church, but it is so much bigger than that. Are you with me? That we come in here to learn, to equip, and impact our community. And that's our vision. That's our mission, okay? We have a more explicit way to define that or to, to say that. But just like I was talking about the peaches, there is a harvest of ripe souls for us to impact. And everybody in your life, and you're the only buddy that can impact that. Just like I didn't have a tall enough ladder to get some of these peaches, there are people, Lindsay, in your life that only you can reach. I can't impact them. I cannot. They're ready, and only you're going to be able to talk to them. Adam, there's only people in your life, in your circle, that only you can impact. Amen? That this place is a training ground. It's a celebration place where Jesus is lifted high so that we can go impact our community. Amen? All right. I'm going to have our ushers come forward. I'm going to pray and get John ready. And um, well, I'm not going to get you ready. You're ready. But I'm going to pray for you. 
God, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the beautiful worship in Trent and his, and, his, and his just teaching us about community and the importance of it, God. I pray that we don't allow a minute to go by right now, another second, God, without recognizing who you are in our lives, Father. And I pray if we don't know you, God, in this moment, God, we just open ourselves, Lord, to learn about you and hear the word of God preached, Lord. And I pray as we leave this place, we have a bigger vision, of a mission, God, of impacting our community, impacting the city of Thornton and beyond, Father, that Hill City Church will be known much greater than just in this small place we are today, God. We love you, God. Be with us, God. Lord, empower us, Father, to be, Lord, your light in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How are you guys doing? All right. All right, you guys are dead. How are you guys doing? All right. I'm just grateful that we get to just just come together. Just come together and just and just uh, learn, and we are continuing in the book of Mark, and we are on chapter 2. We made it. Chapter 2, right? After eight sermons, we're on chapter 2. We're going really fast, all right? But more than anything, it's so important for us to just, uh, just break into the Word of God and knowing that it is uh, God's Word that reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives, and that's what we're doing here today. If you are a guest, my name is John, and thank you for being here. Also, it's my little son's birthday. His name is Ezra. He's five. So if you see him, tell him happy birthday, or he'll tell you it's his birthday, all right? It's awesome. I love watching that. But what a powerful service that we had last week. And we wanted to continue. Uh, we believe that there's moments where God's glory just comes down. I, th that's what I call it. You can call it whatever, the, the, the goose pimples on your arms. Or There's just a moment where you know something's different. The atmosphere is different, and God is here. And in those moments, I don't want you to waste it. Know that his presence is here on a purpose to set us free, to speak to our hearts. And I pray that in those moments we stand in authority. And it's crazy because I spoke on demons about e like evil spirits and things like that last week. And, of course, this week was really tough, and that's how it goes. That's how it goes. When you try to come against uh, darkness, it just seems like your week goes nuts. And, and, and so I believe that even then, I believe all things are possible for us, that God is setting us up for something greater, and that that's when we push in. We don't draw back because our week is hard. We push in understanding that you have started like a domino effect and you're affecting lives and you're speaking in a, in a certain place where it's really affecting people's hearts. And I pray that that's what God does with us and with you. So we're in the series Meet Jesus, and it is we are reintroducing Jesus because a lot of times we know all about Jesus, but we forget what he says about himself. And we are going through the book of Mark, so uh, please turn to Mark chapter 2, all right? So Mark's letter is super heavy because Mark is writing during persecution. Uh, he is writing uh, his uh, book uh, about 67 to 69 uh, A.D., so it's about 20 to 25 years after Jesus was resurrected, and, and Nero starts killing Christians, and then uh, Vespas uh, Vespasian, he starts, uh, he starts coming against Christianity. The apostle James was uh, murdered. He was stoned, and not, not with marijuana, but with rocks, right? Um, and then, uh, then uh, uh, James is killed. Um, then Peter is crucified upside down. And then Paul is beheaded. So the church is going nuts. It's not a good time for the church. It is not a good time to be a Christian. And in that same moment, the Judean-Roman war goes on. And if you don't know, the, the, the Judean people revolt against Rome, which was a really bad idea, because then Rome burnt down Jerusalem. <laughs> and, they burnt, and they broke down the temple. 
and many people were killed, and everyone was uh, dispersed all around the country. And it's funny that God uses the disbursement of Christians to bring about more Christianity. Isn't that nuts? You would think it's the worst moment for Christianity, that Christianity would be crushed in this moment. But God uses the Caesar to disperse Christianity, and that's actually when Christianity began to spread wildly, was under the heaviest persecution, because they could not stay in their place. And sometimes, do we, when nothing is going on in our life, we just stay in place. So God brings sometimes a hardship, or he brings about uh, these things in our lives to disperse us, to push us to challenge us. Because sometimes when we are just bored and doing Christianity, when we're doing religion, and all most of Jesus' messages go out to two people, the older brother and the younger brother, but there's a lot of older brothers in me, you know? There's a lot of older brother in me where I can continue on with religiosity, with the information, without any transformation in my life. And I think I'm good. And sometimes he has to disperse us. And, I, and, and, and Mark is saying, hold on. Hold on when you're, when you're hiding. Hold on when it's hard. Hold on to Jesus. And like he said, the thesis of the book is verse 1 of Mark. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God. Hold on. Hold on. And so this is where we are picking it up. Uh, and, and, and this is where the message continues for us. Yeah, Mark is telling us today, hold on. He's the Son of God. You are not alone. God is with us. So I'm going to start reading verse 1 of chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. So the crowd overtook the house, and, and they were breaking fire code. Just imagine, there's so many people around Jesus. They believe it was Simon Peter's house, all right? Peter's mother-in-law was healed when she was sick, and, and, then, and then Jesus, that was his home base. He didn't have a home, so he stayed in, in his, one of his disciples mom's house I was like this is hilarious he's staying at his disciples mom's house and then all these people start crowding around that there was no more room verse 3 four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd so they dug a hole through the roof of his head and they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus seeing their faith Jesus said to the paralyzed man you are healed no that's not what he said he said my child your sins are forgiven. Just imagine with me this happening right here. Just there's this, we start talking about Jesus and then you start hearing like jackhammering and saws and then dust starts falling from the ceiling, right? And all, out of nowhere, we got an extra skylight, right? And I, you know what I would be doing? I wouldn't be like, oh, praise the Lord. I'd be like, get out of here. This is going to cost us so much money. What am I going to tell Adam's 12? There's this dude, he had a jackhammer and a saw, and he, uh, he broke through these four guys, and then they lowered, they lowered their friend on the mat. And, uh, and then uh, I, I told him to get out of here. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. I think, I, me personally, I would be in shock. But these four men, it, so just imagine with me, this is what's going on, the new skylight's going on. And it's really strange how Jesus answers. You would think if a man in a, four men lowered down a man who was paralyzed, Jesus would look at him and say, mm, I know what you need. You need, you are healed. No, Jesus immediately says to him, son, you are forgiven. What an odd thought. Did Jesus miss what's going on? Instead of saying you're healed, you're forgiven. Listen, everyone knew in the room why that man was there. 
This guy's paralyzed, right? If this man was here today, he'd be like, um, Jesus, I think you're missing what's going on here. I can't stand, right? Are you kidding me, Jesus? My friends busted up your roof, not so you can forgive me, but I think you're missing the immediate problem here. But Jesus would turn around and say to him, you think you know the main problem of your life, but you don't. You think, and this is hardcore, man. This is cold. You think you need physical healing. That's what you need. But you have a greater need, a greater problem. And the greatest problem you're facing is not your suffering, but your sin. And that, even today, that sounds pretty cold-blooded, right? And we might not understand, but Jesus loves this man so much that he's willing to look like an idiot and say, I love your soul, I love your eternity, I love your future, I love your destiny enough to call you out on your sin, even though you're a paralyzed man that just came out of the ceiling. Jesus knows this man wants more than anything to be healed. He's been praying for years. He's been suffering for years. He has one desire. God, if you can heal me, that's all I need. If you can just heal me, I'll be happy. This is my one prayer. I'll never ask for anything again. And today I believe there's people in here that have been asking God for one desire. If you could just do this one thing in me, I will never ask for anything again. We're, we begin to barter with God. Prayers that you've been praying, right? Deals that we make with God. The burdens that we carry and that bring here. It might be your healing, your dream, your, your desired job a better life, a man in your life, a woman in your life, for wealth, whatever it is. But Jesus knows there's even a greater need in all of us and that there's a greater problem, a need for a Savior. Because sometimes we think if we get this thing, it will save us. And Jesus becomes an add-on. God, you are a way for me to get to here, right? Jesus isn't the way. He's a way for me to get to what I want. And I know, oh, I would never say that, but we live that. God, if you would bless me. God, just walk with me so I can be a better person, so I can have a more blessed life, so I can get a better marriage. And Jesus says, that's not going to save you. That's not going to save you. I, I love uh, this man. His name is Jim Carrey. Anyone know Jim Carrey? Right? Liar, liar. Dumb and dumber. Like, man, uh, my, my friends don't think it's very funny, but if you're old school, if you're, if, if you're in the Jim Carrey age, Everything he said was awesome, right? I, I, was just, I was just thinking about all the things that he did. But Jim Carrey, he came up from nothing. He, he struggled like all of us, worked hard, had big dreams. If I can only make it, if I could be a Hollywood star, if I can become rich and famous, then he did it. Some of us, we have dreams, but we'll never make it. I don't know why, but we'll never get there right? But this guy actually got to his dreams, and this is what he writes after he got to his dreams. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dream so they can see that it's not the answer. It's not the answer. He, and then he, he followed that up. He said that everyone chases money, wealth, success, fame, whatever, thinking that it will bring them happiness once they attain it. The person sits there and thinks, that's it? After they attain it, they go, that's it? That's what all the hype was about. I don't feel happy. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel anything. There has to be more. And Jesus sounds offensive to this paralyzed man, but he's saying you're sicker than you know. 
I, I believe, but, but I believe he's telling us today the same thing. You think you know what you need. You think will make you happy. this will make you happy, but it's not it. You have to look deeper. You're sicker than you know. You got to live deeper. Go deeper in faith and life. You are too easily satisfied. Christian, this is what Jesus is saying to us today. You are too easily satisfied with where you're at with me. So if you're a Christian in this room, that's what God would tell you today. You are too easily satisfied with your spirituality. The problem is not more spirituality. The problem is you need to go even deeper. You're too easily satisfied with the mere morsels, uh, the, the crumbs on the ground, when there's so much more for your life. You're too easily satisfied with mere spirituality and Christianity when it goes so much deeper. That God wants to be a, a, so God in your life, but he's just a place, an add-on, just a little thing in your life. Hill City. We don't come to church to serve Jesus so that he can help us achieve our dreams to be a better person, a better husband, to have a blessed life. Jesus is saying, go deeper. We come to church to serve Jesus. Listen, listen. We come to church to serve Jesus and worship for more of Jesus. We pray and we seek God not for an answer to a better life, but for more of God. I think if we can easily miss that, because we are so misled in American Christianity. Add this on to your life. It should be better. You'll become better parents. You want to teach morality to your kids. You want a group to hang out with. Uh, these are all good things, but it's not it. That's what Jesus is saying here. And your Christian life, if it's boring, it's because your faith is boring you got to go deeper. Go deeper. Dive into this world like you never have before. Dive into people's life like you never have before. And yes, it's messy. Love people. Have you ever loved someone like you never have before? Like, have you ever loved someone in a way that's extravagant? It's messy. And it's not like, oh, they just turned their life around because my love was so good. Yeah, Jesus' love was awesome, and he poured out his life for us. Did we just turn around? Oh, everything was perfect now because Jesus loved No. It was messy still. Are, you, are we willing to still walk in the messes, not because of the uh, outcome that we want to see, but because of the calling that's on our life? It's very different. It's a very different call of the church. And it is a call for you and me to go deeper and the understanding we have one life for heaven to fall down. That is our goal. God, we want heaven on earth. We want what you want to do. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And now when you live for God, you're going to always have haters. It's just true. Just like if, you, if you're a Bronco fan, you're going to have a hater. Maybe on a mic today, right? I'm always talking hate about Broncos, and, the, and the, I shouldn't say that. But I'm just talking, I like to talk trash, like on the basketball court or when we're playing games, even in, even in like pickup volleyball, I talk trash. I, I just think, I don't, I don't know, it's just in me. The, but, but when you come, when you live for God, you're going to have haters, and they're usually church people. They're usually church people, right? Mark 2, 6 to 8, it says, But some of the teachers, the church people of the law, who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. And, and, and these guys are totally right, because only God can forgive sins, because only God has been wronged in this instance. Think about that. 
Because the only person who can forgive sin is the person that has been wrong. So when Jesus says, I forgive you, it's because he's the one who's been offended, wrong, and hurt. And the only person who can say that every sin was against me is your creator that made you for a certain purpose that you broke away from. And, and it's God himself. Verse 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick your mat, and walk? And we can go deep into that, but I'm going to continue. Verse 10, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, saying, I am God, guess what? Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick your mat, and walk, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out, and through the stunned onlookers. I love that. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. I want our lives, moments where God moves and people see the glory of God and they say, we have never seen anything like this before. I love these church folk. Always looking for something wrong. Even in a miracle, they said, Jesus, you did that miracle wrong. Isn't that crazy? Like, oh, we just, he just rose from the dead. He just got healed of cancer. Oh, you, you, sh- you shouldn't have prayed that way, Jesus. You should have prayed a different way to heal cancer. I'm like, God, oh, church folk, why are you so crazy? And I'm, I'm talking to myself because we get to a place where we're so locked up with religious information, we lose real compassion. And we say, oh, that's, that's not how it's done. And I want to say, what, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? Are you, are you doing miracles, man? How are you coming against a miracle of a man that was paralyzed for years, but it's so easy to do? We look at them and we're like, I can't believe they did that. But have you ever caught yourself and said, I can't believe I said that? It's in us too. When you do this long enough, it's in us too. Trying to tell God what he can and cannot do in your life family sometimes god doesn't move as we want god doesn't answer prayer like we thought he would heal like we want him to i don't fully know why god doesn't intervene just honest just telling you i don't know why some of you have gone through such suffering that is just unfathomable i don't know i can't tell you i don't know and it would be so easy to give you simple answers the religious answer but i don't know i don't know why God doesn't intervene in war or in racism that's going crazy right now in our country. And, it, and, and, and it's so easy to pick a side. But I wish we would pick the side of love that people are hurting. A, a side of compassion where you give up your rights a little bit so that you can support people that are going through it. It's a different side. Sometimes we only see two sides, but what if there's a different side that God wants us to see? I don't know why God doesn't intervene with racism. I don't know why God doesn't intervene with death or with cancer. My mom is still going through cancer, and some of your, uh, the people that you love are going through cancer. I don't know why God doesn't intervene. I don't know why God doesn't intervene with, for my wife when she's struggling with chronic headaches every single day. I don't know why? And in these moments, we can get mad at God, and we can get mad at the situation. I know many people who have turned away from God in these times because God didn't do what we thought he would do, but Jesus never said faith would be easy. He never said it, that everything would be perfect, 
that life would be stress-free. No, Jesus actually said in John 16, 33, that this life you will face trouble. You will face suffering, but in me you will have peace. Take heart. I know the end of the story. I read this quote this week, and it really, I was, I'm really trying to process through it. It says, painfully suffering is almost a prerequisite if we are going to be of much use to the other people. It makes us far more compassionate. What if Jesus is asking us in our pain, in our suffering, to trust him, to follow him, to believe in him? What if he's asking us, I need your pain for my glory? Can we serve a God can we trust a God who can use our pain for his glory? I still believe in healing. I do. For our souls and for our body. I still believe in miracles. I will not stop believing that God can heal my wife, that God can heal my mother. Just because it doesn't happen my way, just because I don't understand, maybe a healing will happen today or someday or in heaven. But God, help me trust you. God, can you help me? trust you. Romans 8 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And it's not always our good. It means good. His good. His good. If you're here today and you need a miracle, because I know some of you are in this room and you need a miracle. I say, don't give up. Don't back down. Keep trusting God. I just want to show you one last video, and then we'll close. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Dwayne. Dwayne was a pastor in Texas, and called by God, and a great Bible teacher, and a Bible preacher, and there was one weekend he got sick, and he caught a flu, like sometimes we catch a little, just an average flu, flu virus. Well, he got up to preach that morning, and as he did every week, and he preached the first service. They had two services on Sunday morning, and he wasn't feeling that great. His voice was a little bit kind of feeling rough, but he preached. And Then he went ahead and preached the second service and was feeling a little bit worse. They had an evening service that night, and he told the, the leaders, he said, I just, I can't preach tonight. I'm just my voice is just gone, and I don't, I don't know what's going on. And well, what ended up happening was he, this flu virus attacked his vocal cords. It was a very unusual thing. The doctors couldn't even quite figure it out. It, it, it damaged the nerve tissue of his vocal cords beyond repair. Over the next three years, he went to 63 specialists and their teams over 200 doctors as they tried to diagnose him and treat him. His voice, he said, it, it felt like the worst case of laryngitis. He said, it felt like somebody choking you, like just pressing up against your vocal cords, like this pre nonstop pressure against your throat. A year after he was experienced this flu virus, he had to step down from his church. And that's what he felt called to do. I mean, as you know, as a pastor, our voice is kind of important, right? I only do two or three things, and one of which is preach. And I cast vision, and I lead. I preach, lead, and cast vision. 
as the shepherd, and you need a voice. It helps. He didn't have a voice. So after a year, on his own willingness, he said, I, 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 this church needs to find a new pastor. I just, I, I don't know what's going on. He was devastated. His family moved down to Houston. His wife got a job because it, it took him a while to figure out what to do. His whole life he'd been trained for ministry and prepared for ministry, and, and now he, he can't do that. doesn't even have a voice. can't even talk. He did eventually find a job, but just went through some struggles, depression, discouragement. You can imagine. Pastors are human just like you. Yeah. Finally, they, they got, became a part of this large church in Houston, Texas, a large Baptist church. And there was one Sunday that the, the Sunday school teacher, the Bible study teacher, wasn't able to go because he was sick. He wasn't able to teach, so they, they asked Dwayne. Of course, they, they knew that he was discouraged and maybe thought maybe they could, you know, it would be encouragement to have him teach. And so they asked him to be the substitute teacher. And he's like, I, I, can't, I can't teach. I mean, the, the, you don't, you don't want to listen to this voice. And so they hooked him up with this microphone, this special microphone where, where they could, you could just barely hear what he was saying and, and understand it just a little bit. And that Sunday, as he was teaching in a Southern Baptist church in Houston, Texas, it was the only Bible study class on the enti- in the entire church that actually would, would audio tape the lesson because with, with it being a large class of over 150 people, there might be one or two that weren't there, so they would, make, they would tape it and then give it to people who were, who were absent or who weren't there. Have two or three tapes laying on the table each week for people who maybe missed the previous week. So they recorded it. It just so happened that the lesson that was lined up, this curriculum that was lined up even by the denomination, it came on Psalm 103. He begins to teach. And, of course, he, he's trying to explain the fact that, that God doesn't heal all the time. Of course, here he is with this voice. And so he's, he's saying, you know, God forgives all our sins, but he doesn't always heal our diseases. And I want you to listen to this audio tape. Pastor Dwayne Miller. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that... I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this. Because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does. But I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, to 
psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. <laughs> I'm uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I <sighs> He redeems my life from the pit <laughs> and crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. <laughs> so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, that's mercy or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Let's stand. We can, wow. we can stop that. He said. I just want you guys to see it because sometimes we stop believing, and I believe that just in moments that God can sweep a room with his presence, and in that moment it, it tears me up almost every time because that could be you. And we know people in situations like this where they need such a move of God. And, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus tore the roof off of earth to come down for us. 
and they did what we could not do. We could not place ourselves where he, and forgive our own sins. We needed a Savior, and that's what he did. He came down and took on the punishment of our sins so that we could be healed. And that's the greatest healing that we can go through, is the healing in right standing with God. And right now, today, if you are in this room, with, with just, and you need to get right with God, that is the greatest healing for your soul. Don't waste another day to be without God. He is ripping open heaven so he could come into your life. If that's you today and you need to get right with God, I just want you to respond because that's what Jesus said. What you really need is to get right with me. Just raise your hand if you just need, you know that there's things you need to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for all the hands that went up today, Lord God. I know that you need to do a healing on their souls, Lord God. That is the greatest healing. We think we need an answer to prayer, Lord God. And it's so important. Yes, it is, God. But I believe the greatest need is our need for you, a need for a Savior, Lord God, for our soul, God. I pray you bring that today. We thank you. And we believe all of heaven is rejoicing in this moment as people release their lives to you and come back together with their maker in heaven. But there's some of us in here that need a bodily healing, a healing in our bodies, in our minds, in our past. And I, I want you to boldly, if that's you, you are here today and you really need a healing in your body, I believe we can't skip over the book of Mark and say it didn't happen. If that's you, just raise your hand. I need a healing. And just raise your hand high. I really need a healing. And just like, just like the gospel, I want four people to get around the person who has their hands raised. And I want you to pray for them. I want four people. Get four people around every hand that's raised. Just be bold about it. Because sometimes it's hard to pray for ourselves like that paralyzed man. We need some of our friends to pray for us, to set us free. So if you can get four people around and we're believing in the miracle of God, and I believe that he's going to do it. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to seem like. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus, let's raise our voices and tear the roof off. God, Heavenly Father, I pray you be here right now, Lord God. We're asking for a bodily healing, Lord God, a physical healing in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray, Lord, in this room, Lord God, there's no magic prayers. We need a move of God. We saw a miracle, Lord God, on that video, but we need a miracle now, Lord God, to heal MS, Lord God, to heal, Lord God, disease, to heal cancer, Lord God, to heal sickness, Lord God, to heal the sickness of mind, to heal unforgiveness, God. I pray right now to heal our bodies do it now in the name of Jesus we release it to you Lord God and we tear the roof off Lord with our faith Lord God we believe God we believe God we believe God we believe in the name of Jesus we believe in the name of Jesus we believe in the name of Jesus Lord God I pray sickness be healed in the name of Jesus Sickness be healed in the name of Jesus. Sickness be healed in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Sickness be healed in the name 
of Jesus, Lord God. And we do not care how stupid we look, God. We are believing in a miracle of God right now in the name of Jesus. Do it now, God. We ask for now, Lord God, whatever sickness, let it be released by the power of Jesus. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I don't even know what to say. But I know, Lord God, there is authority in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the Spirit of God when He's here with us, Lord God. So release right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus so that we could, that people will be stunned, Lord God. And that they would glorify God in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We are believing in miracles, guys. We're believing in miracles. Don't draw back your faith just because you've never seen it before. I want God to stun us. Just to be totally stunned of what God is doing in Hill City Church. That is not a building. That is you guys. That wherever you go, that you bring healing. That you bring authority. And you bring freedom in the name of Jesus. God, as we go, let's give God praise. I'm believing this week we're going to put something on the website that shows what God has done. And I want you to continue to pray with me to heal the people in this room so that they can have a testimony to heal the people outside this room. Amen. God, be with us today as we go. We go in authority and in freedom and in healing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming today.